Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow my musical journey as an amateur piano player who is striving to play advanced level pieces one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. But seeing that I do not have hours upon hours to devote to practicing every day, this goal will likely take some time. So until we reach that day, every week we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road, anywhere from the Baroque period all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work and examine the music within, and hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. And we can build on this foundation so we can all tackle more difficult works in the future. This is episode 11.1, A Fresh Start on a Brand New Series. We're moving away from our months-long spotlight history tour and treading into some lighter waters. In a hopefully refreshing change of pace, we're going to talk less about historical classical music and shift the focus to some of the ways we incorporate modern classical music in pop culture. While classical music can certainly still be found in concert halls played by metropolitan symphonies and taught in schools and universities for those that seek it out, the average person encounters classical music regularly through different sources of media. One of these vehicles is film. When the art of film was in its infancy, the films were all silent and run by a noisy projector. In order to mitigate some of the noise, and add emotional resonance, a pianist or organist would improvise music to play along with the film. What a cool job, huh? The musicians would screen the movie in advance so they knew the order of all the scenes, where the action scenes were, the romantic scenes, the sad scenes, etc., and would probably work out a few musical themes beforehand. Then they would just play what came to them during the actual screening. The first musical score written specifically for a film was done by France's most famous composer at the time, Camille Saisons, for a 1908 film called L'Assassinat du Duc de Guise. Special thanks to YouTube for their French pronunciation videos. It was only a film of 15 minutes, but it marks the first time that a composer sat down and composed a specific score scene by scene for a film. The art of film composition took a major step forward when our old friend Eric Satie, a name we have talked about plenty during Series 8, wrote the first frame-by-frame score for a silent French film in 1924 called Entracte. This method of syncing the music frame-by-frame to elevate and build emotion is one that is still used today. The next big advancement in film was, of course, the talkie. Now, dialogue and sound effects were routinely being incorporated into film, and with that, demand for music composition soared. Hollywood actually turned to European composers to satisfy the spike in demand. The first sound picture that had a fully accompanied original music score was composed by Austrian composer Max Steiner for the 1933 film King Kong. Film scores at first were mostly interested in setting mood and highlighting drama, but soon they began to branch thematically to link the music to characters, settings, or thematic motifs. Then the 50s brought a film-composing titan, 
American composer Bernard Herrmann. He wrote such iconic music that it started to influence the reputation of the film score. Soon, the film score was elevated from background music to its own standalone artistic entity. It became a true element of the film, akin to the director's vision. Herman's most famous work was linked to his film collaborations with Alfred Hitchcock, including this, one of the most iconic scores in film history. You know, speaking of the rising power of the film score in the 1950s, I'd be willing to bet that more people would recognize the music for Psycho than have actually seen the film. And if anyone wants to conduct this research for the good of humanity, please report back with the findings. Herman led the charge for dozens of composers to specifically focus their careers on writing music for film, including some of the heavyweights of the craft. John Williams, Jerry Goldsmith, Alfred Newman, and Ennio Morricone, to name a brief few. Film composers have also been scouted from the concert halls over the years, with composers better known for other types of composition dabbling in the art of film, including Prokofiev, Shostakovich, Leonard Bernstein, and, like we talked about last week, Philip Glass. And in the past few decades, usually to great acclaim, it has become more popular for movie directors to partner with rock stars to compose unique contemporary scores for their films. Some of the best examples include Trent Reznor from Nine Inch Nails for films like The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, or Johnny Greenwood from Radiohead for films like Phantom Thread. Another example of this phenomenon is when the indie band Arcade Fire helped write the score for Spike Jones's 2013 film, Her, which leads us to the piece we're going to talk about today. Her is a visionary film set in an undesignated year in the future. But this isn't a future like most science fiction films out there, you know, with space explosions and aliens. This is a realistic near future, that seems to ring true with the current direction we are heading as a society. The people who inhabit this world are lonely and socially awkward, constantly plugging into electronic outlets like virtual reality video games and wearing fashionable shirts without collars, which, by the way, is already starting to become an actual thing. I own one of these said shirts from a major clothing outlet, And I wonder if this movie is to thank for that current trend. Joaquin Phoenix plays one of these lonely people, a man on the tail end of a divorce. And he decides to purchase a virtual AI assistant, whom he names Samantha, that is voiced by Scarlett Johansson. The two form an intimate relationship, routinely discussing the intricacies of life, which leads Phoenix's character to end up falling in love with his operating system and spending all of his time interacting with her. One of the ways that this unusual pairing shares an intimate moment is in the scene where Samantha composes a song to capture their relationship in a piece called Photograph. The director of the film, Spike Jones, admitted in an interview 
that this was one of the toughest scenes of the film to get right. He went through multiple iterations of the song for this scene. The original idea was that Samantha was inspired by dark matter, because she relates to it as something we cannot perceive, but yet we know that it is there. So Arcade Fire wrote a song to reflect this idea, but Jones ended up scrapping not only the song, but the idea itself, because he thought it was all too abstract. You know, it's hard to argue. The second idea included Samantha empathizing with all 14 billion people in the world. Remember, this is a movie set in the future. We're still sitting pretty at about half of that in our current reality. So Arcade Fire once again wrote another song to reflect this idea. But Jones ended up ditching this version too, because it was all too complicated. Jones says there were a few other versions of this scene as well which makes me feel a little bad for Arcade Fire. And it also makes me want to hear their song about dark matter. I wonder if that song will ever see the light of day. But the breakthrough came when Jones decided he was trying to do too much in a single scene. He originally wanted to illustrate both their connection as a couple and the intellectual evolution of Samantha. But he decided to simplify it to purely capturing a single moment of connection in their relationship. And in order to do that, Samantha describes her piece of music as a photograph. She says, Well, I was thinking, we don't really have any photographs of us, and I thought this song could be used like a photo that captures us in this moment in our lives together. For your consideration for the 2022 Academy Awards. (laughs) Like I mentioned before, the film score for her was written by indie rock band Arcade Fire, probably best known for their critically acclaimed debut album Funeral. And Owen Pallet, who in some sources seems to be a member of Arcade Fire. But they're listed separately in the credits for this film, so I want to give credit where credit is due. They have an interesting job here, to craft a song written by a computer that also has emotional human resonance. And I think they wholly succeed. This piece is built upon a repetitive motif of running 16th notes played by the right hand with gradual harmonic shifts. It almost seems like it fits in with the minimalist mindset, doesn't it? Maybe I'm only saying that because it's fresh in my mind. But the repetitive structure seems to fit the bill. In an uncommon turn of events, the left hand actually carries the melody, which periodically leaps over the right hand, playing out kind of bell tones. And when both hands are played together, the right hand adds kind of a blurring, nostalgic effect.
The effect is kind of dreamlike, and it's also something that I completely believe that a computer would write. The right hand gives it that quasi-mechanical feeling. Deeper into the piece, the left hand flushes out a more complete melody line, against that running pattern of the right hand. This continues until the end of the piece, where the mechanical elements drop out, exposing the raw human emotion that this simple melody line carries. It's a perfectly believable composition by an AI system striving to understand the full gamut of the human experience. So let's hear this moment from the film. This is Photograph by Arcade Fire and Owen Pollitt from the 2013 movie Her. You know, I can remember seeing this film in the theater, and then searching for this piece on YouTube immediately afterwards. It was a clear standout scene for me, but the rest of the movie is definitely worth a watch, too, if you haven't seen it. 
It's more than just the movie where a guy falls in love with a computer. It's realistically forward thinking, and a bit of a societal warning tag. I think we're going to find out that it's going to age extremely well. Well, this was pretty fun, so let's talk about movies some more. Next week, we'll take a look at a piece from one of my personal favorite movies, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. You can find the standalone recording of the piece we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks from this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. This week, I posed a question on Twitter asking for recommendations for classical podcasts and got some great responses. So check that out on my Twitter if you would like some additional listening recommendations. If you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating and reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode, and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thank you as always for your time and your ears. Until next time.